0: Hi everyone, my name is Karen Inder and welcome back to the Model Tongue Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things mental health, mental illness, body positivity, self worth and the importance of finding your voice. In today's episode, I share my complicated IVF experience as someone who struggles with multiple mental health disorders. This story ends well, but in my opinion, was unnecessarily cruel at times. I experienced firsthand how inaccessible reproductive health care can be for future or intended parents who struggle with their mental health. My friend Claire helps me emphasize the importance of self-discovery and offers support as I share some things about my IVF cycle that never should have happened. I hope that my experiences will both educate and bring awareness to medical professionals in the fertility industry on how they can be more inclusive and trauma informed. Please note there are a lot of content warnings for this episode including but not limited to fertility, infertility, IVF, injections, the surgery itself, hormones, suicide, surrogacy, medications, and mental illness. As always, thank you so much for listening. This podcast is available everywhere podcasts are played. Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, YouTube, everywhere and we love your support over here at the model podcast model tongue podcast uh your likes comments subscriptions they all help us do what we want to do which is help empower communities we hope that you enjoy this episode thank you so much for listening and supporting
1: good morning claire good morning karen is oh it's afternoon there we it is afternoon
0: yeah but Um, i mean
1: like good afternoon it feels like the (laughs) morning it feels like the morning i have my
0: my latte here
1: Ah, oh, nice. I have my tea. actually, okay. I I I'm already, I shouldn't I'm have already rubbed fully it. caffeinated. So I shouldn't I'm have like rubbed it in your face you, you just told me that you you didn't have any coffee this morning. well, i had I had Nick go um grab some coffee in the morning, so we're <laughs> good. We're good. Extra shot.
0: Yeah. Um, thank you so much for uh, doing this with me today. Uh, we were just talking,, about, so yes, we're talking about, my complicated IVF uh, experience as someone who has mental health disorders. And we've been, we were actually chatting, well, we were always chatting, but I was keeping you posted on what was going on. And I just, I wanted, at first I wasn't sure if this was even something I wanted to talk about. Um, I'm talking, you know, before we did anything, like I wasn't even certain if this would be something I would share because I share things, but I also uh, keep things personal as well. I have like Mm -hmm. a balance. but, I, but my my opinion on that changed when I did the cycle, uh, and I realized all the challenges that are in it for someone who has multiple mental health disorders. And to me, that's something worth talking about. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to do it by myself. So thank you so much for joining me. Um Best a lot of a lot of people might, you know recognize you. Claire was on here a couple of weeks ago or in January, I believe and telling us about her story uh, with bipolar, living in LA through her pregnancy during lockdown.
1: So I'll Mm -hmm, be sure to mm -hmm. link that in the description Lockdown, unemployment, protests, (laughs) mass chaos. (laughs)
0: Yeah, why, yeah, like why would it not be? Like, (laughs) it sounds about right. Um, So I just asked, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, being here with me while we talk about it and I know you have some questions so um getting right into it I mean you know I guess you know content warning yes this we're going to talk about infertility IVF mm-hmm. uh family planning all that jazz um so that's what to expect and
1: you know for anyone might, yeah add, absolutely um in with my story and that kind of what was projected on me self-harm might come up um, suicide might come up, uh, keep that in mind. So Mm -hmm. I had a lot of doctors who assumed that I was potentially suicidal when like, I've never truly been Mm -hmm. suicidal. So it was kind of weird to have that, like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) yeah, like, I mean, so that might come up. Um, all the content
0: warnings. This is definitely like a heavier episode. I know a lot of people um feel triggered with conversations around infertility. And so I apologize for that. So just you know, this is this is what it's about. So just FYI. Um and again, like I there are so many wonderful, amazing people out there who are advocating for IVF. And I just I'm I feel a little insecure speaking about it because I don't know all of the terms and the language. This was just my first time having exposure to it. So Please be gentle in that regard. If I say a medication or a hormone wrong, a hormone wrong I'm sorry. Um, I'm just doing the best that I can because this, it, there was a lot of trauma involved. So it was hard to like keep track of what was happening. Um, so yes, I want to share my experiences with IVF. As someone who struggles with mental health disorders, uh, my intention is to shed light on how inaccessible reproductive health care can be as well as ways the fertility clinic uh, fertility yeah, clinics and community can be more inclusive to those who struggle with mental health. Uh, this story, you know, it has a happy ending, but it was unnecessarily cruel from the start to finish. Uh, there are a lot of moving parts and trauma is complex. So I want to share about my experiences with IVF, but um, this episode will mostly be about how inadequate People are trained when it comes to trauma, being trauma-informed, and the medical community as well. So my hope here is to educate and bring awareness to those in the fertility industry, how they can make IVF more accessible. And also for anyone out there who's struggling with family planning and doing IVF, if you also have mental health disorders, then same. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... I want to just talk about what IVF is because a lot of people don't know that. So IVF stands for, important. I didn't, know. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> I know, know. I know I I know, knew
1: I the basics, but like, I still didn't know, like, yeah. So yeah, because
0: yeah. In, in TV shows and movies, whenever it's mentioned, it's just like, oh, I'm doing IVF. And then like, oh, I'm pregnant. Like they don't really talk about what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, you know, I thought I knew, I thought I had an understanding, but I was, you know, a little off as well about what it actually is. So IVF is, it stands for in vitro fertilization, and it's the process of fertilization where an egg is combined with sperm outside of the body. So in a lab, like in a Petri dish, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people use IVF to start their families uh, for a variety number of reasons. Um, for us, we did it uh, because it would be too difficult for me to carry a child. My body isn't safe for me, so therefore it wouldn't be safe for a baby and everyone is different. Um, physically, I could carry a child, but mentally, I cannot. Um, and I'm you know I'm very open with my mental health disorders. Um, I have bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, PTSD, anxiety, and health anxiety. Um, so I consider those things a disability and chronic illness. I am in pain uh, probably more times than I am not. And this has been something, for myself and my husband Nick that it isn't a surprise we've been talking about family planning for years and um, it all kind of happened like it got pushed to the front or the conversation started rather when because I take lithium and so therefore I I have monitored yeah yeah <laughs> So, you know, we, our kidneys are monitored often to make sure that um, that lithium isn't doing anything to harm them. And so basically one year um, there was something concerning uh, in, in my urine for my kidneys and we had a bunch of doctor's appointments and in every single doctor's appointment, whether it was a nephrologist or a GP or a psychiatrist, because uh, of course Nick came with me to them, um, the conversation of family planning was brought up. And they, you know, the doctors reminded us that, you know, and at the time we hadn't even discussed family planning. It was quite when, early. When in our was relationship. this? If you don't mind
1: me asking, how um, long ago? Yeah, 2016. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. So we started dating in 2015 and then 2016, mm-hmm. this happened. So we hadn't even discussed family planning uh, when, when we had this, this scare um, mm-hmm. that maybe I was experiencing organ failure. And then, you know, the doctors kind of had a conversation with us about what, what it would look like for me if I were to get pregnant, uh, which, and, and you know, you did it. So, you know, you have to get off your medications mm-hmm. and then you'll blow. Well, Yeah. temporarily. Yeah, yeah. I was working yeah,
1: for the first, like for the first half of my pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then when I had an episode, I had to go back on. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't want to, but I had to, cause I wasn't, I didn't sleep for two weeks. Mm-hmm. I couldn't sleep. and like, I was. I was manic and I was, you know, cleaning my house. Like that's all I could do. I was like blasting. Cause I, you know, we went into this in the last, you know, episode with, um, but yeah, it was hard and I think it would be hard for anybody. Um, but yeah, lithium is tricky yeah, because it's tricky. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's a toxin. So, and then, but even to like, to go
0: off something, you had to do it slowly. And then mm-hmm. the whole concern was that. Like, you know, we went down the hypothetical road. If I were to carry Mm -hmm. a child to go off a medication, you know, that could take months to like a year to get off of it. But then Mm -hmm. at the end, when I'm off of everything, would I even be in a a condition to carry a child?
1: Well, yeah. And let me just say, no, hardly any doctors know how to taper off medication Uh psychiatrists like it's not something that they do often and it's not something that i mean i've had doctors who like if i've asked about going off medication they said i I can't help you with that you know (laughs) so it's like we don't have that um situation and in my scenario that was something that that did come up because I I wasn't planning on getting pregnant. So when I did find out I was pregnant, I was like, nope, I'm not taking it. And going off cold turkey like that is um it's dangerous because your brain doesn't have time to like adjust, you know. So Anyhow, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, 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 It's
0: It's like, these are, these. we have very different experiences with motherhood. And I think it's important to talk about. Um, and, and it's because it's something also people would never even think, oh yeah, like I never considered that. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, and the, again, the reason I'm sharing this is because it is a great example of when and how and the need and the importance of advocating for yourself, especially in the medical mm-hmm. world. Um, and it's also like a cautionary tale because I I believe that my experience could have been easier and, mm-hmm. and less painful. Um yeah. and so that's what just what I want to talk about. So that's kind of like the you know how we got into looking at IVF and then carrying this out. So IVF itself, you know, in the movies, you just <laughs> it's just like someone says, I'm doing IVF, and then a couple of days later they're pregnant. Um, this is not how it's done. And um I have a you know, a fertility advocate, LaDawn, she was on the podcast. I'll make sure to link her uh, information in the description box as well, because she is a great resource. She's fighting for fertility rights in Newfoundland right now, a province in Canada. Um, but you you do a cycle, which is you're, you're injected with hormones every day. And the number of days can vary because everyone's body is different. Um, but every day for like two weeks, uh, you get a a transvaginal ultrasound um, that's an ultrasound that goes up inside of you to look around your cervix and your ovaries and blood work and then hormone injections which can be like one two three needles a day again everyone's different it could look different for other people Mm -hmm. then the procedure itself is um, you have an appointment you go in again I'm simplifying it they give you an IV it's gravel it's antibiotics it's saline solution Um, you're brought in they have a needle that they go up, they freeze your cervix, and then they collect all of your eggs. After that, everyone's experience is different. For us, they combined it with my husband's sperm, they made little embryos, and then they froze them. Um, But for a lot of people, then, you know, you would implant the embryo, and then you would hopefully get pregnant. So this is kind of what it looks like. Just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um,
0: it is really, really difficult um, because those two weeks are kind of a condensed pregnancy. Um, I like I had swollen feet, my boobs mm-hmm. hurt, my nipples hurt, um, my skin was amazing. I had energy for the first three days. I was like superwoman, but then I crashed and just was so tired. Mm-hmm. Um I, and I needed help getting in and out of bed because your ovaries get so big that it's hard to like put on your shoes and get dressed. Wow. Um, yeah. Just, and, and you, and I, I think I sent you a picture where I look like pregnant.
1: Yeah. When you were telling me your symptoms, I was like, sounds like you're pregnant. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, Cause it is like, it's, it's simulating
0: pregnancy. And there was one day where I was so big that you know Mm. and this happens because your ovaries get so big that you look pregnant I looked like I was four months pregnant and Mm. we took a picture and I sent it to you because I'm like this is just science is so weird it's so wild what they can do yeah but that's kind of like again I am still simplifying it it's very difficult it's all it's emotional it's physical near the end of the cycle like my stomach was just seizing from getting all the needles I was getting Mm. needles in my stomach every single day and my arms were bruised from blood tests like it's it's emotionally and physically taxing and it's not just one person like it's two people to my partner was so stressed and mm-hmm. um you know it's people who do IVF are like really really strong it's really mm-hmm. really difficult so I don't want to you know I want to make that clear yeah so sugarcoat it no no, no. <laughs> it's marketed that
1: way right yeah, it is it, marketed it that
0: way and I don't like I I don't like um Sometimes when I talk about what, you know, the procedure, but the needle and how they go up in, in through, you know, your vaginal opening and they go into your cervix and they numb it. Um, I got pissed off the other day because, because someone was like, oh, you know, obviously it was a man, but he's like, oh, good. Like, I don't want to hear that like censored. you know, I want the censored version. And I lost it because I'm like, you know what? Women do not get to curate what happens to us. We don't get to like pick and choose um, our yeah. experience. Like, this is what happens. This is what happens to women. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to sugarcoat it or give you a different version of events because it makes you uncomfortable. Like you didn't even have to do yeah. it. It really, really, yeah. really angered me. Yeah. So
1: comments, um, <laughs> commenters, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's um, they really know how to get to you, don't they? <laughs> oh yeah, I was bit.
0: and and you know what I was talking to someone else the next day who who was in the like preliminary po- pre- preliminary process of uh, or steps of IVF and she also communicated to me um like a comment that her partner had made in the same vein like I don't need to know all the details kind of thing and she it, yeah. it also like made her angry i'm like absolutely mm-hmm. anyways that's a yeah. <laughs> different yeah. but it's just i just it's worth saying because absolutely not like this is the reality of what happens and yeah. i'm not gonna like omit it because it's like cringe but it's what happens yeah. so many people do it okay yeah. so here we are so that's kind of like as much backstory and context if i left anything out that you could ask questions <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um so we found a fertility clinic and we went there and then right From the beginning, we were a little bit of a unique situation because the first questions they ask when you go to fertility clinic is, How long have you been trying? And our answer was, We haven't.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's Mm -hmm. weird. (laughs) We haven't been trying. I was going to ask you because I thought we were going to go into this, right? Like, there's the initial, I have sales experience. So I know there's always like the initial, like, questionnaire type experience like where you get to know and then see if it's a good fit and you know you go through this process. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, yeah, I mean there's a little bit, there's some counseling involved that isn't necessarily um informed when it comes to mental illness um and medications and, and things like that. I mean I know there are other medications that are harmful in pregnancy, but I feel like I don't know, I don't know the I don't know the facts, but I would assume that medications for mental illness are one of the top, like, you know, concerns in pregnancy, right? Yeah.
0: And they, they're so common and they conflict with everything.
1: Mm -hmm. So when we
0: first went, yeah, it was like, how long have you been trying to have a baby? And we were like, well, we haven't been trying. And I was actually on birth control. And so they don't have Mm -hmm. very many patients going to a fertility clinic who are, on birth birth control control. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so you know we we set it all up to do it um, and my biggest concern was I need you know I'm like we have to make sure that nothing uh, counteracts with my current medications because as you know like lithium Mm -hmm. counteracts with literally everything under the sun
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, lithium is one of those drugs that works like on, it works with different chemicals in the brain and it works with different areas. Like it's very kind of like, um, I don't wanna say all encompassing, but because it's a mood stabilizer, it works in a lot of different areas in the brain. I don't know exactly where, but I know like, you know, dopamine's involved, serotonin's involved. All the different hormones are involved with it. And
0: also because it's filtered through the kidneys, I've always been advised to not take anything that is filtered through the kidneys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so my biggest worry was there, you know, you're going to be pumping me full of hormones um, and medications. Like is, I want to make sure everything is okay for me to take. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how we started. They connected us with a fertility naturopath um, just to, you know, just to talk to us about ways that we can ensure egg quality and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But one thing that, I found upsetting was that um, they connected me with a naturopath, fertility naturopath, who has no experience with mental health. And I, I just happening.
1: And I was waiting for that. I was like, hmm. The that's,
0: that's a little yeah. odd, right? Like, <clears throat> I, I I know lots of naturopaths who have experience and know about mental health mm-hmm. and mental illness, but they sent me to someone who who had no nothing, no knowledge of it. Mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. So that to me, we just thought it was a little, it was a little weird. To me, that's not a great fit. Yeah. That's a red flag. The naturopath was a wonderful, you know what I mean? Like, oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. such a sweetheart, but was it a right fit? I'm going to say no. Um, Another Mm -hmm. thing, what happened was that, so he gave me a bunch of supplements to take for egg quality and. Um, so normally someone would just, you know, and there's all, there was like a bunch, I think at one point I was taking like 16 supplements a day. And wow. so, um, but, and, uh, you know, he's like, normally, um, uh, people just take them all, at, you know, all together at once. But be, for me, because I'm on so many medication have mental health, um, I would implement a new supplement every week just so that if anything were to happen, it would be easy to identify
1: which one was throwing me off. That's smart. Yeah. So that's what now. We did. When you told the naturopath that, or did you even share that with the naturopath? Share. Share what? The, you know, slowly going on the different supplements. That or was, was his, he just that was like, his. Sure.
0: No, no, that was his recommendation.
1: Oh. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um.
0: And so then you know we had to start taking the supplements, and then one of them, and again, I'm like, you, you know, I asked the fertility clinic. I asked him like, these are safe for me to take. They're like, yes, absolutely. You should have no issues. So then um weeks into take you know taking them and introducing new ones every week, um one week I just started feeling like not the best mm-hmm. mentally. Um mm-hmm. and then I had a new psychiatrist at the time, and so I sent her the list of what I was taking, and there was one, she's and she's like, You shouldn't be taking this. He's like, she said that anyone taking a um mood stabilizer mm-hmm. cannot cannot take this supplement. Mm-hmm. So I stopped taking it. Thankfully, I was okay. But my, my was it like five HTP
1: or like it was like don't mind me. My
0: asking. myo or something like that. Mm. I think it was that one. I I took so many, but I I think it was myo in, in nazatol Um, okay. And so I have no idea what that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. But what was it? Was just it was upsetting because it's just like my faith and trust is getting chipped away because.
1: Yeah, um, I had
0: asked them like multiple times if the supplement, if all the supplements were safe for me to take. And, conflicting information. Yeah, and then it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't safe. Yeah. And um, so and that and like I just and you know, but then mm-hmm. you're like, well, what else isn't safe? You you just yeah. kind of start spiraling. Um. Yeah. Co- complete complete side note tangent for a moment. It's still mm-hmm. relative, but um, so I had I had the psychiatrist, and um. You know, it, it was a new one because I, I had mm-hmm. I, I had a, my favorite psychiatrist and then he retired. So then I got mm-hmm. I got bumped to another one in the same clinic and it was not a good fit. Like right from the beginning, I just knew mm-hmm. it wasn't a good fit, but I didn't I did not like him for for reasons such as this. So yeah. one day I went to my appointment and I'm just sharing this because again, it's all about self-advocacy. Um, yeah. I went to my, I went to an appointment. All these
1: little, little scenarios matter so much yeah. because it's <laughs> that, it's that like one minute instance when you're in an office where you're like, what, you know, yeah. and you feel awkward. Okay. Yeah. Continue. So
0: <laughs> I, I brought my list of supplements from the fertility clinic and the natural path. And I asked my psychiatrist. You come in
1: with like all these supplements.
0: <laughs> yeah. I brought in the list and I brought it in. I'm like, I just, um, you know, we're getting ready to do IVF. I was wondering if you could look at this list of supplements and just make sure that uh, I, they're safe for me to take. Mm-hmm. He took, again, this is a, a newer psychiatrist. I haven't had for very long. And I already didn't like him. And he looks at the list and he takes it and he just like throws it back across the table. What? And he says, um, "You're seeing a naturopath. I thought you were seeing real doctors." Oh, that okay. And and <laughs> and I and I was like, I didn't know how to respond to that. And then he asked me, he's like, "Do you believe in this?" Meaning naturopathic medicine, I guess. And uh huh. And I I picked up the sheet and I said. Like that's not what I'm asking you. If you, if you believe in naturopathic medicine, I'm asking you if these medications are safe for me to take.
1: Okay. Good. That's good. That's perfect. (laughs) No, that's good. That's, that's a really good response. Yeah. You know, doctors have a lot of um, internalized ableism, I feel. And if they don't know something and it's, and it's um, cast into that category of like alternative or, you know, not evidence-based or whatever, they'll just, they're quick to dismiss it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know in Canada how um, supplements are regulated, but here in the U.S., like all of our supplements have like a note, you know, like a little, you know, statements not verified by the FDA, da, 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 because they don't study them. Right you know, and the actual, it's, it gets a little shady because like the supplement companies that have money are able to do their own studies and like, you know, add that to their marketing scheme Mm -hmm. to, to show some evidence. Um, but the FDA is a huge mess (laughs) (laughs) here in in the U S if you can imagine. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, it's like, yeah, but But yeah, doctors are, um, doctors are just, yeah, I feel like if they don't know something and they, they're just very quick to dismiss it. But as far as I was concerned, he
0: was denying me care, right? Because like, I'm like, you know, and I, I said, I don't care if Elf in the Shelf brought me this list of supplements. I'm not asking you about your personal beliefs. I'm asking you if, if I can take these and I will be okay. Yeah. And um, and he refused to look at the sheet. And so, um, because it came from mm-hmm. a nat- it came from a naturopath. So, anyways, I got a new psychiatrist mm-hmm. um because that's just disgusting. Oh, good. Me. But yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, that's just an example, like it never should have happened. Anyways, back to the fertility clinic. So yeah, we're yeah. Ge- we're gearing up for our first attempt at the um, IVF cycle, which was to take place in September of 2020. Well, you know early 2020 but then pandemic happened blah, blah blah as so many people are in the yeah. same boat um but september 2020 and we had an, a nurse assigned to us uh which she was just not not trauma informed and not great at communicating um one thing for example uh, i asked her if we could have um everything in writing and the reason for that is because of my health anxiety. I just hearing it by ear, like I feel a lot more confident seeing everything in writing and in an email. And mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of people don't know this is when you're giving yourself these injections for those two weeks, you're doing, you're giving yourself the injections. Like you don't go to a clinic, you don't go to a hospital, you go to a doctor. You are sent home with a box of hormones and you have to mix everything together and put it in a needle and inject it into yourself wow okay I didn't yeah. know that
1: no that's, wow. so many people think that you go no you our and it's probably marketed as like you get to do this in the comfort of your own home <laughs> maybe like, you know like you know like I feel like that's kind of how it would be yeah. played, like played out like pitched to you and you're like oh, okay but there's
0: there's one hormone it's called menopure where you have a powder and a liquid and then um you have one syringe to mix it all together and you have another syringe mm-hmm. to make the injection, but you, you know, it's a, you're mixing hormones. It's a process. You have to, um, make sure that you're doing everything right. And mm-hmm. this is what was building some of my anxiety because I have health anxiety. So unless like, I wasn't going to let Nick do it. Um, cause I don't trust him at all. And so <laughs> I was, I was mixing the hormones and then um, injecting myself with them. So mm. this was what I wanted in the email because we had had some zoom meetings with this nurse where she would show us how to mix all of the hormones, but I wasn't confident in myself in that. And um, when you have PTSD, sometimes listening to information is difficult. Um, mm-hmm. it, like it just gets jumbled and um, sometimes I dissociate. And so for me to have it in
1: writing just kind of made me feel more comfortable. Yeah. I'm honestly kind of surprised that they didn't just uh, uh, offer it in writing and in verbally for like liability reasons. Like it seems like they well, would want it to be very clear. Not, not only was this not offered but the nurse said no oh wow and so maybe maybe they're giving maybe they're not being explicit about it for for liability reasons i don't know so that's weird it seemed like they
0: i don't know so this was like our first experience it was just i felt Mm -hmm. very panicked Like i remember um you know, thankfully, at that for our for our first attempt, we had we were on Facetime with some people. One of which had done IVF, so she was able to like help us and walk us through it. Um, but it was just really, really scary to me to be doing this ourselves, um, only because I have health anxiety, and yeah. I was I just didn't feel comfortable. And so anyways, uh, we ended up having to forfeit our first time, because what happened was that we were supposed to make two injections, mm-hmm. one of Menopur and one of this other homeowner called Gonal. Um, and the the menopure, when you inject it, you have a sensation of burning that just goes right across your stomach. And Weird. so, yeah. Wait, that's, um, normal? that's
1: normal? It's like normal. All across the board? Yeah. Okay. Yes.
0: Wow. And... Mm-hmm. So for me, for someone with health anxiety to feel that, I just Mm -hmm. absolutely lost it. Mm -hmm. Like, because in my, in my health anxiety, irrational Mm -hmm. brain, I just imagined this going to my heart and like in my blood and all through my body and like air bubbles in the needle and my veins, like blood clots. Like that's what, that's where my mind was going. Mm -hmm. And. And so, and the other injection, it has to be injected within 30 minutes of the first, right? Like they have to be injected together. Mm -hmm. And so I absolutely lost it. Um, I started having panic attacks. I had like three consecutive panic attacks. Um, it, It reached a point where I, where like Nick was holding me down on the couch and I was like just fighting and so scared. And he was trying to give me the second needle. When mm-hmm. he just when he just decided like we're not doing this, like I'm not gonna hold you like I'm not gonna restrain you on the floor and inject you with the second needle. Like I just can't do yeah. it. Yeah. So um, you were having
1: like a fight response. I was, yeah. You're just like, fuck this shit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> my like, my body no. was
1: fighting, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so oh. that was our first attempt. Um and we had to we forfeit because you can't just, you know, start over again the next day kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. it's just, it's very like specific science. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, okay. So here we are. Um, I decide that it's still something that I want to do. Cause then, you know, it was conversations like, we're just not going to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought about it and it was something that I wanted to do. I just felt like, well, you know, actually Nick said, he's like, we, we didn't set you up for success. Like we, he's like, we didn't, we meaning him mm-hmm. and the clinic. Um, he's like, because the whole time, um, it's been it was a common theme. I just felt like no one was listening to me. I was trying to communicate mm-hmm. my needs. Like I told everyone at the clinic, I told my doctor that these were my diagnosis and this is what happens. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is what I think I need in yeah. order to do this. And no one was listening. And then we tried to do it. And it happened exactly what I thought would happen, which is mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. panic. So this is where it gets interesting um, and also frustrating. So The next month, we have a meeting with our doctor to talk about what happened. And uh, she she proposes a plan and it is, it sounds perfect, but my frustration was, why wasn't this plan given to me the first time? Yeah. So after after hearing us, she she said, you know, one thing they're going to do, is they're gonna they're gonna take away menopir from my cycle completely. So that's the one that burns, and they're gonna mm-hmm. replace it with a pill instead. Okay, a pill called Levetrizol. Um, and so that was number one. Number two, she she said that she was gonna shorten my cycle. So instead of going like to the max day you know day to to get as many eggs as you possibly can, she wasn't gonna do that with me. She was gonna She was going to trigger me like as early as she could and Mm. not worry about maxing out my ovaries to to the full potential. Number three, um, Mm. she said she was going to put me to sleep during the procedure. So during the egg retrieval procedure surgery itself, uh, usually, you know, you're not, you're not knocked out. You're not put under. You're just kind of like, you're comfortable and kind of in and out. Um, Mm. She said that for me, because of my panic and anxiety levels that she was going to completely knock me out and put me to sleep Hmm. um I don't know what number I'm on number four um we were going to get a new nurse Mm -hmm. and number five um she put us in touch with a fertility nurse who would come to the house and give me the injections okay Mm -hmm. so this so Mm -hmm. these were all of the accommodations Mm -hmm, that were mm -hmm. that that were proposed to go to move forward and while they are all wonderful um I was so upset that they weren't done the first time because one thing I kept saying was I've been bipolar since 1996 not since Thursday you know what I mean like
1: Mm -hmm.
0: sorry you can go on what are you gonna say
1: no yeah I mean well I think that's part of like the problem with with um outsiders perceptions of <clears throat> excuse me bipolar because there are so many types of bipolar i think it's like a spectrum but i know oh. there's like three or four official types yeah um, i'm bipolar one <laughs> yeah. so but you know people don't know so i feel and there's also an overdiagnosis problem so it's very possible that a lot of people who have been diagnosed with bipolar aren't really bipolar, but they're going around saying I'm bipolar, you know, or whatever. And, um, it's, it's a problem because bipolar can mean so many things and it's unique and individual for every single person. And, you know, someone with bipolar might have other mental disorders, um, conditions. And so, yeah, I mean, and, and, despite the fact that bipolar disorder is actually a really common disability, it's not considered a disability.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you don't see it. People are gonna pick up on your, um, how you carry yourself. Like, you know, you being so informed about your conditions and just being informed about yourself is kind of like, oh, well, she's a high functioning person. With mental illness which is yeah. problematic right because then you have someone thinking like she doesn't need the accommodations she's fine she knows what she's doing mm-hmm. um and and um yeah it's it's that makes it so hard um so I'm sorry I mean I'm sorry I had to go through that yeah oh, it, yeah I have another question though mm-hmm. when you so so you weren't given the, given the accommodations up front, they weren't necessarily an option, but I'm sure everything was kind of like pitched to you as like piece of cake. Like it's going to be fine, whatever. Yeah. Well,
0: cause we were about to go somewhere else. Right. Like we like, Oh. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we, uh, like we we were about to go get another fertility <laughs> clinic. Hmm. Um, and we, so that, that was kind of like our, that was and when we had a meeting. Um, about what happened. we we told like Nick wrote an email to the doctor about every single thing that kind of went wrong and how it went wrong and why and um and yeah. how it shouldn't have because one thing that I kept right. telling Nick, too was between the first attempt and the second attempt, no new information about me has been provided. they they knew everything about me on the first attempt, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so I just, I was getting so upset because I'm like, if all these accommodations were possible, why the f weren't they <laughs> given to me at the beginning? Because yeah. the first attempt was very like, um, phys- It was very traumatic and but, but, like physically exhausting for me, and very triggering. Like, mm-hmm. and and it was just kind of, I don't, I don't, I I I wasn't, I don't know why that had to happen, mm-hmm. in order for yeah. for accommodations to be made. I don't
1: know. Yeah. Do you feel like having the naturopath there at the fertility clinic kind of gave you some sense of like false security because no okay because i feel like with fertility clinics like they always implement someone else who's like you know no a naturopath alternative a healer like someone who is like you know but i'm down like
0: i'm i'm open and down and stuff like that so basically what i did Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, I am a, I'm not like a half empty person or like a pessimist or like anything jaded, but I, I do believe that at the end of the day, like all I have is myself and all we have are ourselves. And then that's where our self-advocacy comes from no matter what. And so I took, um. I took everything into my own hands. Like after this first experience, I knew we would be trying again and I had to be ready for it. And so I did things and I've talked about it on the podcast before, you know, I found a trauma informed RMT who started treating my vagus nerve. And then I found a Reiki practitioner. I actually did hypnotherapy um, to do the second cycle. And so I I did everything that I could um, meditating and, and it all worked because, you know, I did it. So, but, um, things kept changing. So, so here's some other anxieties. Okay. So that was September and October, all these accommodations are made. I'm doing all these things on the back end for myself, we get to February, 2021, and we're gearing up to, to attempt IVF for the second time. Um, so Again, we have the fertility nurse coming to the house every day to give the injections, which was great because it allowed me to like dissociate from the experience. Um, mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. much it was much easier for me to forget that it was happening, you know, if I didn't have to look mm-hmm. at it at a needle. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and, and also the fertility clinic, they amped up um, my kind of care, like they, they touched base with me once, twice a day. Um, mm-hmm. and, wow. and, and, that yeah, yeah. Like they, they definitely stepped up. I will, you know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. It was just, I, I, <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. So, yeah. um, the second there, there was lots of problem solving, which I didn't appreciate because we're in the, in the, in the midst of everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, after the retrieval, because you're so bloated, uh, they, they tell you, that you have to drink a lot of water and uh, eat a very high salt diet. As someone on lithium, you cannot do any of those things. (laughs) You cannot drink. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I told Mm -hmm. them like, well, I, I mean, I, you know, I eat a pretty low salt diet because when you're on lithium, that's what's recommended. I I said, I I will increase my salt intake slightly, uh, but I can't go ham with it. Um, and I, I cannot, you know, I'll drink more, I'll make sure I'm drinking fluid, but I can't drink too much. And because if you drink too much water, then it dilutes your lithium. And because lithium is a salt, if you have a high salt diet, it just messes everything up. So that was the first Mm -hmm. thing. So then they were trying to like problem solve, like uh, another thing they did last minute was the day of my trigger shot. So basically, uh, again, this whole experience is tricking your body into thinking it's pregnant. Right so Mm -hmm. at the end of your cycle you have what's called trigger shots and it's a series of shots for me it was supposed to be three shots that that like tells your body bam sperm is coming like you're 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 getting pregnant like boom and then that's Mm -hmm. when they do the retrieval Mm -hmm. the three shots are two shots of something called lupron and then one shot of something called avidril and the uh, is like the the money shot that just really makes your body just think it's pregnant and you you feel it's called avadrill avadrill
1: avidrill like avo is like egg drill yeah. like getting them ready <laughs> yeah like get into eggs yes. <laughs> <laughs> um wow and so okay.
0: the day of um the doctor called me and she was like we're not gonna give you the avadrill because she was worried um what would it, it would do to me mentally mm. um and I was like okay um also three days into my cycle because you know the injections that they're giving me is estrogen right mm-hmm. it, it comes to the surface that estrogen has been linked to psychosis mm-hmm. so high mm-hmm. levels of estrogen can can put you mm-hmm. into psychosis because I am at risk of psychosis um this be- this became like a, a a forefront issue to deal with. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so then that became a balance because, you know, mm-hmm. in order to do the procedure, they had to give me estrogen and make my estrogen really high. But at the same time, they couldn't let it get too high. And they had to monitor me to make sure I don't went I didn't go into psychosis. Yeah.
1: So
0: that was really stressful. Um, for me, like just every day, just wondering, like hoping that I'm not going to go into psychosis.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then, yeah, so then she's like, We're not going to give you the Avidril. Like, I don't think you need it. I think we'll be okay without it because I, you know, I told her, I'm like, Listen, I don't want you to not give me the Avidril, but then this whole thing not work. Right. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. um, anyways, we ended up not doing it and everything was fine. Um, mm-hmm. and then the other thing is that I was supposed to be, they give you a medication after the procedure to help with your hormones, but this medication blocks dopamine. And so mm-hmm. she's like, Well, we're not going to give you that. and so there was like a lot of things happening every like every single day they were they were kind of learning something new about my unique situation but it was just it was making me panic even more because it felt like no one knew what they were doing
1: yeah 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 so it's kind of like a test like well we think yeah I'm a guinea pig yeah we think yeah yeah and most um uh I I guess the the most of the body of science around mental illness, um, when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to psychosis being related to dopamine and like certain, you know, I personally believe it's like a mix and we can't really control all of it because I know that people who take, you know, antipsychotics or anything that really influences dopamine and the receptors, that it can create like an overactive dopamine response. Mm-hmm you know? So it it doesn't really balance the brain. It just changes the way that, um, I guess, I guess for lack of a a more like medical term, it kind of like changes the way that like the chemicals are transmitted.
0: Yeah.
1: I think, (laughs) but like, it's not that simple, right? It's not just, you know, it's not just the hormones themselves, but the way that your brain is processing them. And if you've been on medication and your brain is processing these chemicals a certain way because the medication is influencing your receptors, and whatnot. Then it's complicated, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it probably felt like an experiment. Well, this so it, it gets worse. So, oh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um,
0: uh, you know, near the end of the cycle, I was I was very big, um and. I would, I couldn't like put on my shoes or put on my pants. Mm Um, I needed help getting in and out of bed, uh, just, just stuff like this. And so, because I was so uncomfortable, my anxiety was starting to, to get bigger because if we're with, when you have health anxiety, you're aware of your body. And like, if the minute something feels off, then it's, Mm -hmm. it's like high alert. And so that's just how I was feeling. And so they were kind of trying to, you know, they were checking me every day, but they were like, just kind of waiting on the sidelines like because for the minute that I was ready they were just gonna put me out of my misery so mm-hmm. um I get triggered um we do the two shots of Lupron not the opodril mm-hmm. and then we go to the clinic for the procedure and uh another another wonderful thing that I thought was very kind uh, was they gave us a private room but I was joking with Nick that like they didn't do that for us they did that for their other patients
1: <laughs> so that they oh. would
0: <laughs> so
1: they wouldn't wouldn't see me losing my mind yeah um (laughs) I wonder if they did that for me with the delivery because that was like in a corner room I was in a corner room yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um for sure that's funny I
0: know it's funny so (laughs) um so, so you kind of you nailed it earlier when I was talking about my response to the first cycle, where you said that my body just goes into fight, and and it's I mm-hmm. have no control over it. It's not like a conscious decision. Um, it just happens. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's just a fight response, and I can't turn it off. So mm-hmm. they gave me an IV um, standard for everybody um, of gravol and uh, and just like a, you know IV saline solution.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the minute that my body um, felt the gravel, you know, because it, it's like putting you to sleep, making you sleepy, right? Mm-hmm. My body started fighting it. And mm. so what that looks like, I'm just sitting, I'm just laying on the, on the hospital bed and Nick's next to me and I'm, my body is shaking and like, I'm, I'm making sounds. It's like very painful, like fighting sounds. And, um, you know, like, like Nick and the nurses just kept telling me, you know, just, just go to sleep. But, but I can like my, my, that's my problem is that my body is fighting the gravel and mm-hmm. it will not let it win. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but, but here's the here's the thing. Here's why I'm happy that I did not go to sleep., um, so they left me, I think, like that, just with the gravel for an hour and a half. and um and then probably ten minutes before they were going to bring me into the procedure room to be put under. Mm-hmm. Um, the nurse comes in and she tells me that she's going to be giving me antibiotics soon. And I'm so, I'm like fighting to stay awake, right? Like I'm so already medicated and like doped up. And I ask her, well, uh, what, what antibiotic, like, are, is it safe for me to take? Cause I'm on high alert, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. don't give me anything until you have checked it with like eight pharmacists and 13 psychiatrists, <laughs> make sure that I mm-hmm. can take it. And um and she's like, Well, what can't you take? And so i I just remember being in the hospital bed so doped up and trying to like wreck my brain to remember. And then mm. thankfully I remembered and I was like, it's it's amoxicillin and I can't take amoxicillin. Mm. And she takes the IV
1: bag off of the thing. She's like, Oops, well, we're not gonna give you that one. Oh no. I wonder if wait, wait, why is it that why is it that one? And does it interact with lithium? It, 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 yeah, or? lithium. It goes with it interacts with the like, lithium. Mm and so I took that I started
0: I I started losing it and like I Mm -hmm. started telling Nick because that to me like if I imagine if I fell asleep it like you know Mm -hmm. all the nurses are telling me just go to sleep just give into the gravel go to sleep what if I went Mm -hmm. to sleep and then she just gave me the amoxicillin yeah like so then when she left the room I just I freaking like lost it and Nick's like it's okay I'm like they don't know what they're doing like like, I don't, yeah. like how, how many more times, who do I have to convince here that I have bipolar well,
1: and I take lithium? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Cause I, I don't know. I think I'm not sure how like medical training works, but like, do you feel like all doctors should know, like they should be trained in psychiatry as well as general an, like, medicine. A, I, I feel like they thought. should, like my psychiatrist is actually an MD.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and he's not like a he didn't I don't know exactly what his background is, but I know he didn't like specifically study psychiatry, and then along the way he became a psychiatrist or something. I don't know, but I, I just feel like that's so important. And like if you were, let's say, if you were someone who had like um, a, like a physical disability, like if you were um, immunocompromised or something like that, and you took some medications. Um, I feel like that would be a completely different story. You
0: know, put I feel the, like it it this would way. have more knowledge. I would never my GP is also MD and um and she's very like immersed into the world of mental health. She she's also a, a psychotherapist and does all kinds of therapies and she is mm-hmm. a very aware. Um I, I could never have a,
1: a doctor like a GP who isn't familiar with. Yeah. Mental or health. even nurses. I mean, in nursing, I'm pretty sure psychiatry is like a smaller part of the broader curriculum. Um, and then if you want to become a psychiatric nurse, then you study yeah. more up depth. But I, I feel like it should be included.
0: So when that, I, I when that know, happened, I'm, like when that happened with the antibiotics, the moxicillin bag, to me, that never should have happened. Like, I, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't understand like Every, I don't know how many more times I can tell my diagnosis and d- three days, mm-hmm. three days before the surgery, I sent an email to the doctor and her whole team reminding everyone of my, all my diagnosis, all of my medications, mm-hmm. um, all of my doctor's contact information for emergencies and what A episode for me looks like. So I said in the email, in the event that I have an episode and our flight or fight response, this is what it's going to look like. I'm going to be shaking. I'm going to be hyperventilating. I'm not going to be able to communicate or speak. Like, this is what can help. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I gave like, I gave, Mm -hmm. I gave problem solving scenarios. So I don't understand how I could be hooked up to an IV of amoxicillin as an antibiotic when I can't even take it. Like, I don't understand. I just don't understand if anyone can let me know, greatly great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why is that? So, so then,
0: um, cause, cause here I yeah. am a very vulnerable position. Like I'm so drugged and they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're taking me into this procedure room, um, for the, for the surgery and, and no one can advocate for me because I'm knocked out yeah. and no one else can do it. So, and, you know, so all of a sudden I'm thinking yeah. like, what other drugs are you going to be giving me? Are yeah. they okay for me to take? Like, it, you know, listen, it all worked out. Yeah. I'm here now. I did the surgery. Everything's fine. We have amazing M babies and my part is done. And we're going to be looking for a surrogate and that's amazing. And it's all over. Um, yeah, so exciting. but it is, but you know, yeah. that's, that was, that's kind of my, my complicated experience <laughs> with it. And for me, I just see so many opportunities, um, where, there could be. There's room for improvement when, de- yeah. when dealing with, yeah. with uh, intended parents um, or you know, parents with, with the fertility journey. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, well, I'm so glad that this phase is complete. You have your embryos. How many do you have? If you don't mind me asking, we have eight. Eight. Wow. Yeah. Which
0: it, it's. It, that's a lot. Um, and I think I forgot to mention at the beginning, but yes, we're, we're going to be using a surrogate to start our family. Um, we don't have a surrogate yet. We're still looking for one, but, um, that's, I, that would have been worth mentioning earlier when I was talking
1: about how I wouldn't be carrying a baby. I just didn't even mention it. Yes. 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 This is a surrogate situation. We have your eggs, Nick's, um, sperm into an embryo going into a surrogate. Um, so the baby now, will be biologically ours that's a confusion for right. a lot of people yeah like what Kim Kardashian did yes <laughs> <laughs> with um with um saint no no no
0: was it a saint? no no
1: sh- I don't even chai. know I've lost track I've lost track chai and sound yeah I think yeah. so chai yeah oh yeah um I mean it, and then I have so many questions
0: yeah yeah let's do it question around let's go
1: yeah. So so, when you asked for accommodations, mm-hmm. were those with an extra fee, an extra charge? What did they do? Was that included? Was it considered no, an accommodation? No extra fee or charge. Okay. Good. good except
0: good. except for the fertility nurse to come to the house, mm, that like because okay. that because that was a separate individual person who provides a service, mm-hmm. um, and so that was that was different. But, but okay.
1: Again, yeah. Okay. Good. And then do you feel like you mentioned dissociation a few times when you were in the procedure and like you, you actually kind of appreciated that. So do you feel like your therapies, like when you did um, hypnosis, when you, those kind of things, do you think it took your mind somewhere else? Oh, yeah. Or do you feel like it was more, cause I, I do a lot of mindfulness based therapy. My, uh-huh. my therapist, um, I, I think that's one of our specialties and that really helps me because I'm not like, if I have like, I'm not the kind of person who can like, you know, repeat affirmations and like do that kind of stuff. And I know that's not all what hypnosis is, but that can be part of it. Oh no, so it wasn't for was me so
0: for us. Yeah. So for me, um, I totally did hypnosis to be able to do this. And I think that it is one of the reasons why I was able to do it. Um, My type of hypnosis, what we did is called exposure therapy, which I hate exposure therapy, but it is so good and produces Mm -hmm. results probably the fastest. Um, So I did three sessions of exposure hypnotherapy, where we went through my biggest fears and anxieties and then lived through the lived through the experienced while in a heightened, deepened state. Um, And Mm -hmm. And
1: that's what we did. That's interesting. Because in a way, that's kind of like, it's almost like mindfulness and hypnosis, like fusion, right? Because part of mindfulness is not if you have a negative thought, or if you have a fear, if you have a concern, if you have an anxiety, you talk about it. And then you kind of like, come to an acceptance of it, you know, in a way. Absolutely. Um, So... So that's cool. So while you were in the procedure, like where was your, when you were doing the retrieval, I mean, what, where was your mind? Like, how did you, I mean, you prepared for it. So that's part of it, right? Like you, you knew, like you informed the team what could happen, but like, where was your mind? Obviously you were like also (laughs) a little, um, like drugged, I had another question about that too. Mm-hmm. Why don't they use anesthesia? I mean, why don't they use like epidural anesthesia? Is there a reason? Oh, because
0: with that you can't really feel anything. Oh, they they so the the needle that they give you in the beginning, so they go up through your vagina and then they uh, poke your cervix and they numb the area. So that's topical anesthesia. Mm,
1: topical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they do that. Um, so okay. Yeah. So they don't do they don't do epidurals for. I wonder why, if there's probably a reason for it, because an epidural, I mean, it depends how strong it is, but in my experience with birth, I had the epidural, it wore off <laughs> and then I panicked. I was like, I know I need more, I got more. And then when it was time to give birth, I could still feel my body, which I appreciated because I didn't want to be completely numb. Um, I was still like able to push and like connect with my body um but the pain and the scariness of it wasn't there so I'm just curious I wonder why like I don't I don't know I, I know that
0: they so that yeah like the, the first thing that they did was they give you a needle to topically freeze and numb the area in your cervix um the procedure itself how they get the eggs from my understanding is that they they kind of flush your insides with a solution and then they collect all of the eggs like as the water is coming out of you I think very, oh wow yeah it's very interesting That's interesting. Yeah. I think like (laughs) some, I was not awake for it. (laughs) So um, I woke up when they gave me, when they poked me with the needle, I woke up and then they had to put me back to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of where I was, like, it's, it's really weird because Nick had asked me about the experience. Was it as bad as you thought it would be? Or was it worse? And my mm-hmm. answer was it was less, but I think that we, that's like a normal answer for someone with anxiety because you always imagine the worst and you live mm-hmm. through the worst in your mind. So then when something happens, mm-hmm. it doesn't live up
1: to it because it was so bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I know what you mean. I know but what you mean. when
0: I look back on it, um, I just, I feel like I, I, I just, I think it's the hypnotherapy. I just, I was obviously present, but I don't, I wasn't really present for, for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, like, I am prone to dissociation, which, again, bring it on. Like, I would, if mm-hmm. I could pick it, I would dissociate. <laughs> <laughs> I hope my therapist isn't listening to this. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, but, but, yeah. So, I, I mean, like, I, I got through it. I can't believe it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you have some funny moments too. So you have the moments where you're like, you know, a little like loopy, you know, so that's kind of funny, right? (laughs) Yeah. When when I I was, yeah. yeah, When I woke
0: up, um, Nick just told me he's like the entire time I was just hoping you're going to go back to sleep because I was just getting on with nonsense when I, yeah, when I woke up, (laughs) I was, I was very high and, and, Uh um. Like so, apparently, like I kept, I kept forgetting. I had very, I had no short-term memory, and so every five minutes, I would look at him and be like, "Oh my god, we did it!" And he'd be like, "Yes." And then five minutes later, <laughs> five minutes later, I'd look at him and be like, "Oh my god, we did it!" I would relive the moment all over again. Yeah. And then at, at one That's point, so funny. At one point, I told him that we had to, um, we had to take all of the embryos home. Um, that we couldn't mm-hmm. leave, we couldn't leave them in the clinic. We had to take them home, and he was just like, "Okay." <laughs> I'm like, "Hey, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me." We had to take them home. We had to take yeah. them home. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so many more stories of nonsense. I can't even. It, it, like whatever they gave me, it made it made me very defiant, and um.
1: Yeah. Hysterical. But. Yeah. Yeah. will You say any more questions? Oh, yeah, I have like a bunch of questions. Okay. So after the surgery and kind of uh, like the, the trauma of it all, the, the surgery, meaning the egg retrieval, mm-hmm. you settled down. I know we chatted a little bit right after like done. I was like, celebrate. But I know that like, you know, even with that recovery period, you, you know, you want to take it slow. You want to kind of get grounded. Like, how did that go? Did you, did you, um, did you end up feeling any like mania or any like mood swings after the the main procedure? So they, another thing that they did, but so another thing they
0: did is they continued to give me medication for days after the procedure. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, I think, I think usually like you're done the procedure, then, you know, you're done. And actually if, um, if you are Going to go, then you know, have have the embryos implanted. Um, my friend told me that that would happen five days after the retrieval. So, oh, wow. like a lot of people do that. So, you know, or or, or if you don't, if you freeze them like we did, then you go through kind of like an emotional period because um, mm-hmm. all these hormones are leaving your body. Um, they didn't want that to happen to me, so they continued to give me medication for six days after to help with. the 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 hormonal changes just to make sure I didn't
1: have any highs and lows
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um and then so that's that's great I have been that's actually kind of cool I mean if you Mm -hmm. that was just hormones like it was just that's actually interesting because I don't know I think that hormones play a huge role in like mood stabilization, right? And not big time, right? Like, so why aren't we using hormone therapies for people with mental illnesses? Like, so I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, and also like pregnancy for me, like, even though I had an episode when I was pregnant, I personally think it was because I went off the lithium cold Turkey. I, you know, didn't have that tapering period. Um, But even when I had my episode, I was aware I was having an episode. I, I was full on like manic and having psychosis and delusions and everything, but like part of me was like aware of it. So I feel like the hormones protected me and that's what my doctor said, you know, and, and that's what I've you know that's what i've read is that you know for a lot of women pregnancy actually has a stabilizing effect yeah but, i heard that too but yeah but there is also evidence to show that it has the opposite effect i so heard- for me like you know when i was pregnant you know i had doctors at me like you know thinking i was going to be you know suicidal like i said or like just, I don't know. I don't know what they thought, but like, yeah, I had all these like projections on me. And, you know, when they told me it would be safer for me to take my medication so that my illness didn't hurt my baby, they didn't directly say that I could potentially be suicidal. They didn't directly say that I would self-harm. They didn't explain to me, but they insinuated it. How'd you, you feel? Know? How'd that make you feel when they insinuated it? Oh, <sighs> Horrible. Like there's tons of evidence about pregnancy and depression, um, pregnancy, uh, um, psychosis, like there is evidence, but, you know, I just don't feel like it looks like, looks at the bigger picture and, and a lot of the research and a lot of what is, is, um, floating around out there when it comes to like mainstream knowledge is all centered around anxiety and depression, anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. suicide um, in pregnant women and in postpartum. And psychosis is included, but it's usually in the context of depression. So for someone like me, who has more of like a multifaceted experience, like I would say like I've had mixed states, but I've never been truly depressed. I can honestly say that, you know, and, and so because there's all this evidence about depression, all this information about depression and the risk of suicide, I feel like that was kind of like, that was their main, like, concern um, when it came to like wanting me to take the medication. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for me to advocate for myself and say, no, if you look at my history, I've, I've, I've had some self-harm situations. I've had some situations where like, I put myself in dangerous situations because I didn't think the world was real. (laughs) I'm I'm laughing because I'm just like, yeah,
0: same, same, same.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's a completely different thing. And I feel like suicide as like a concept is, is dramatically. Um, conveyed as something that happens is someone someone suffering silently and then it happens, they commit suicide. Like, it's very, like, there's a certain narrative to it. Whereas I I feel that a lot of people who do um, end their lives with mental illness, I feel personally that a lot of them didn't actually intend to die. They just didn't think they could die. So it's like an accidental death almost, Mm -hmm. but it's ruled a suicide because it's like, uh, technically, I guess it's a suicide, but yeah, I I just feel like it's, it's multifaceted and, and it's, and it's explained as, you know, a certain thing, you know, that we should all be working to prevent, which I'm all for, you know, we should all prevent suicide, Mm -hmm. but there's different types of suicide and different like different scenarios so yeah that was one thing I ran into that like it was just hard like there are types of bipolar disorder where depression is not as common it's still considered bipolar but oh, I
0: get I get depression
1: I'm so lucky Do you
0: yeah yeah I uh I actually <laughs> no <laughs> I uh yeah because I I actually learned recently that lithium more so um like helps with psychosis
1: mm-hmm. of the post of
0: depression. And I just, in November of 2020, I came out of a 16 month long depression and I didn't even know that I was depressed, but we look back and we're like, totally was. And life is so different when you're not depressed. It's so different. I'll link that. I did do, a, I'll link the episode too. I did a, I did a podcast about my, six, my, my experience with 16 months of depression.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember it. Um yeah. But yeah. Poopy. My internet connection is unstable it says. So we we can relate stable like me. <laughs> 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 so if I freeze or something. Oh, that's too yeah
0: if you, um, if you, if, if I freeze my computer, it's not, you're dissociating. <laughs> thank you. Thank. We'll, we'll chat. We'll chat offline off here, but thank you yeah. so much for, uh, for being here with me and listening mm-hmm. to my story and helping me and validating me and helping me with it.
1: Of course. You're thank so you. strong. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you for sharing your story. Uh, Karen.
0: I was, Really important. Thank you. I will link all of Claire's information. I love I love her posts. Go check out her Instagram and all that stuff. I'll link all her stuff below. But um, if anyone has any questions, you know I'm an open book. Feel free to reach out if you need support during your IVF journey. Um, and if I can't help you, then I will find someone who can. Uh, and we will see you next week.
1: Awesome. Thank Bye. you, Karen. <laughs>